Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of First Chronicles, chapter 16. Here's Pastor Ryan. You know, when I first got saved in 1999, right before Y2K, I knew no one at church. I went from having about 100 friends from my association prior to coming to Jesus, and I went to zero friends when I came to know the Lord. And so this retreat came up for like college and career age. I was of that age, and I thought, oh, that would be so nice, but I don't know anybody. And uh, I ended up, you know, in my devotionals, the Lord was like, call somebody from Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs, that's the church I was going to, and uh, let them know that you are new to the faith and you don't know any, anyone. So they told me to come down to the church, and I went with like some deacon, I don't even remember his name anymore, but I went to this thing with him, and I ended up meeting... Um, really cool people and you know it's a step of faith with Jesus right even getting to know each other can be a step of faith right amen let's get in the word turn with me in your Old Testament to 1st Chronicles chapter 16 that's 1st Chronicles chapter 16 for those of you who don't know about Calvary chapels we're known for going through the whole Bible uh, chapter by chapter, uh, verse by verse, from Genesis to Revelation. And so in our Wednesday night studies, we're in the Old Testament, as uh, you can tell. And then on Sundays, we're in the New Testament. So that's what Calvary chapels are known for. We go through the whole Bible, which is cool because we, we want all of God's instruction. We don't just want, you know, partial instruction from God. Our lives are too complicated to just have uh, parts of the Bible helping us. We want the whole thing. Amen? All right, First Chronicles 16. Father, we thank you again for this evening. It is a glorious reality that we can come before you in your house, in your church, and you say that where two or more are gathered in your name, that you are in the midst of us. And so, Lord, we believe with all our heart that you're with us tonight, Father, that you encompass the praises of your people, so you're here. And Lord, you know every heart that's in this room, every person, every soul. And for such a time as this, you brought them here that they might hear your word and hear your heart. And if they don't know you, hopefully turn and give their hearts to you, Lord. For Jesus, that was your message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And you're the solution to all of our problems, and you're the only hope for this world. That, Lord, this world is engulfed in darkness and sin. All of us have sinned. But you never sinned, Lord, and you came into the world to die for our sins so that we can have a relationship with you, so that we can have all of our sins forgiven and the wrath, the judgment of our sins taken away because you took it. So Lord, bless this time of study. 
May your words fall on fertile soil tonight. Holy Spirit, move. Pour out your grace. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. And so as you know in our story, King David of that fame, famous King David, the second king of Israel, who is Israel's most famous king, uh, Paul referred to him as uh, the, a man after God's own heart. And as you know, the Lord in our story is establishing his kingdom. Uh, Israel is now 100% behind him. And they're behind him, not because he somehow manipulated his way to the kingship, but God called him. God called him when he was a young little boy taking care of the sheep out in the field. He was a shepherd boy. And yet uh, the Lord chose him to lead his people. And, and he was indeed a man after God's own heart. And in our story, as God's establishing him, the Ark of the Covenant was not in the city of David, wasn't in Jerusalem, which is the capital of Israel. And so last week we read how, you know, uh, King David got the Levites, the priests, and those who can handle the holy things of God, and really called all of Israel who can come to go down about 15 miles away where the Ark was and to bring it into Jerusalem. And that has taken place. The ark is, is now in uh, Jerusalem. And when they brought the ark in, the ark is that, you know, that acacia wood box that was built in the, in, you know, during Moses' time during the Exodus. And that box had the Ten Commandments in it and Aaron's rod. And they would carry it on two poles and it would go before the Israelites as the presence of the Lord. And so King David, as God's establishing him, he wants God's presence in his kingdom he wants the lord to be the center of the nation of israel again you know because they had strayed so many times they you know back and forth back and forth but this time you know david wants to do things right and we see uh, david's love for the lord in the fact that when they brought the ark into jerusalem it came with great celebration with great praise to the lord and david himself was dancing before the ark and so praise and celebration that this holy box that represented the presence of the Lord for the nation was coming into Jerusalem. And so uh, as imperfect as King David is, and we know for any of us who have read the Bible, he was imperfect. He sinned greatly. But generally in his life, he sought to honor the Lord. He was the type of, of man who just needed to be with God. You know, his heart longed for the Lord. And you read the Psalms that he, he wrote, and, and we see that. We see his real love for the Lord. And I believe that it was based on the reality that God had saved him from his troubles time and again. And, you know, Old Testament saints, you know, they, you know when they passed away in faith, they went to Abraham's bosom as they waited for Jesus Christ to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And so, but yet they wrote about salvation as if it was a real thing for them. They looked upon their faith in God as the God of my salvation. And we see that David referred to his salvation many times. So his praise for the Lord, his celebration of God was based on the real reality that God 
would one day save it, or that God would one day save his soul. And that is the basis of, of all of ours love for the Lord or should be. The basis that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins and literally pulled us out of the flaming fire of hell. That we were heading towards hell. And the reason why the Lord proclaimed such a bold thing when he began to preach in Nazareth and in Galilee, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, because this world was heading towards hell. Death and damnation. And the only way of salvation is through the Lord. And so that, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you know you've been saved from darkness. You know that he has saved you from oh so much. And I pray that if you are a believer and you've kind of lost the sense of that awe of what he has done for you, it's a good thing to, you know, um, it's a good thing to review your past steps. How did you come to know Christ? What, what situation were you in? And, and how did he say, meditate on your salvation? Because many have lost the joy of their salvation, and you can tell by the way they don't sing in church. I sing whether I feel like it or not because I know I was going to hell. And I'm not anymore. Happy, happy. You know, tonsillitis and headache and all, I'm happy. Luke saved the sinful woman, the prostitute, in Luke chapter 7. Did I say Luke or the Lord? I said, the Lord saved, sorry. In Luke chapter 7. She was a known prostitute. And he was at a priest's home. The priest didn't honor him. You can read about it in Luke 7. And yet this woman, who was a known prostitute, came, a known sinner, came and wept at his feet, and the Lord forgave her. Because she realized that in Christ, Forgiveness of all of the sins that she ever committed were in him. And that he was willing to forgive her. All she had to do was put her faith in him. And so she wept on him. She washed his feet. She kissed him. She worshipped him. David danced before the Lord. David worshipped the Lord. It was celebration and praises. They were bringing the ark in. Why? Because he was the God of David's salvation. And if Jesus is the God of our salvation, then shouldn't we worship the son of David, Jesus Christ? And the reason why David's story is in here, guys, is because the lineage of Jesus Christ would come from King David. That's why when Jesus was, was preaching in Galilee and Nazareth, they said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Sinners cried out. Blind people cried out. The lame cried out. Have mercy on us, son of David. Because this worshiper, this, this second king of Israel was special. He loved the Lord. In Jude chapter 1, verse 20, it says this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jude says to, that we are to, to, to work at it, to keep ourselves in the love of God by the Holy Spirit and by prayer. We want to continually have this, this 
exciting love for the Lord, this passionate love for him, where we celebrate and praise him like David, but it, it, is, it, is, it takes work. Love takes work, right? Even with family and friends, right? Love doesn't just always happen. You have to work at it. We have to work on being kind, on being merciful and gracious. And, you know, it takes work. And with the Lord, if, 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 if one person in church is more in love with Jesus, whose fault is that? It's that one person who decided, I'm going to work at loving the Lord. I'm going to read my Bible and, and, and pray and spend time with them so that everybody around me senses that I love God. And when I come into church, I'll sing, I'll praise them, because I love them, the God of my salvation. So the ark is there, verse 1 of chapter 16. It says, so they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings uh, before God. And so when they brought the ark in, we're told that they, they put the ark underneath the tabernacle that David had built for it. It was a tent, basically a tabernacle was a tent. So when the ark came in, David had a tent already prepared for it. You know, he, he, you know even before they went to go get it, he had this tent made for it. Because David has such a concern and a need for God to be near him that he, he, he thought about even planning to have a tent for the ark so that it's out of the elements so that when it rains it doesn't like mess up the ark. He's thinking about God and, and having a, a place that's good for the tabernacle because it represents the Lord. David in his heart wanted a good place for his good God. He thought about these things, guys. He was concerned. Then we read that as they placed it under the tent, they began to offer burnt offerings. They began to offer peace offerings. I mean, like right away, like David, man, this thing needs to be protected. It needs to be out of the elements. And we need to worship the Lord now like immediate. That's his heart. That's his heart. Wow. I mean, I think a healthy way of looking at it is if no one praises the Lord, will I still praise him? I mean, they told Jesus, you know, tell your disciples and these children, by the way, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey a week before he was crucified. And they were saying, Hasana, Hasana. They said to Jesus, the Pharisees, have your disciples be quiet. And he says, if they keep silent, even the rocks will, will cry out. And I don't want to be outmatched by rocks. <laughs> Guys, we need to sing because he's good. We need to sing because he's coming home and we're going to sing for eternity to him. Amen. He needed a good place for him. And that's the thing about David. Like David saw the blessings that God blessed him with and, he, and he's like, oh, how do I give back? Like he was not right within himself if he wasn't somehow providing for God. I got a house, David would say. He, he subdued the peoples under me. He, he gave him a kingdom. He 
On and on and on. What God has done in his life was just so much. What can I give back? We'll bring the ark. I'll make sure I have a cool tent for it. And let's praise right away. It was the blessings in David's life that caused him to want to take care and give God a good place. And in the same way, we too, my fellow Americans, we too have been blessed. I can say this, we go to Mañadero, we, we saw the, the, the poor Oaxacan Indians there in, in south of Ensenada living in shacks and in plastic tarps and dirt everything. So even the poor in our country, you know, the poor in our country, they have iPhones, they have flat screen TVs. So they're not really, you know, it's relative, right? It's like in comparison to other countries, man, our poor have it made. The scary thing is we saw some Oaxacans with iPhones too. (laughs) We're in America where we have been blessed by God to be born here. The American dream is a real possibility here. If you work hard, no matter what color you are, if you work hard, you can get some good things here. Amen or not so-so? Okay. I mean, my last name's Hussein. Who would have thought I'd be the pastor of of a cool church? God's good. God bless America. Amen. So, many have moved out here to fulfill the American dream, to realize it, right? For what reason? Houses. Look at all the houses they're building here, right? I mean, that's what got Clarissa and I out here. You hear, you, you, you listen to our story and our testimony. It wasn't like I was in Almani with Clarissa and it was like, God's like, you will be a pastor in Banning, California. I would have been like, where's Banning, first of all? But it was just like, Clarissa, I know you're from Orange County and you're used to nice things, but check this out. I can't, we can't afford anything in L.A., and we sure cannot afford anything in Orange County. But I got a friend who lives in this place called Beaumont. And, and that's how I got out here, because it's the only way that I would realize ever like owning a house at that time. Prices were just too high over there. They still are. It's unbelievable. I have friends, pastors that are over there doing ministry, and it's like to buy a house, it's like, you know, 600 grand and above. And here we are. A lot of us have been blessed. But even the apartments are nice prices out here. So whether it's apartments or house, God has blessed us here, is what I'm saying. You have a house. And are we wrong to think the house that I have, it was because of our, you know, it was because of our own wisdom and our own talent and our own, uh, you know, hard work that, that got this for me? No, the hard work. God gave us the energy. God gave us the open door to the jobs. God gave us the brains. God gave us the energy, all of it. So, so how can we take any glory for it? And as believers, we should sit around and say, my goodness, I'm in a house. And then like David, we should say, I have some concern about his house. I have some concern about his house. How can I, how can we make 
a house, this house for God better. We desire every aspect of it to be functioning and clean and maintain well. It is our heart's desire that all of his ministries here are well, are well run and fully, fully being um, managed by Jesus loving people. We want God's place here to be a good place for him. David had a deep conviction for God's house because God had already blessed him with his. I got one, shouldn't God have one? I vacuum my house, shouldn't I care about vacuuming his house? I have, you know what I mean, on and on and on and on and on. Yeah? Welcome to Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. <laughs> but it's true, you know? For our own homes, you know, we'll do so much. It's, we may want to consider God's house, how we can volunteer. You see a lot of people volunteering and doing things, and they're wonderful, great people, but there's always a need for like giving people breaks and stuff. And you know, oftentimes our folks don't see that, or folks don't realize that, you know. The more the merrier. Haggai, the prophet. Crazy exhortation to Israel about this very thing. Focused on their own homes and not ha keeping an eye on God's home. Haggai chapter 1 verse 3 through 7. It says, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I mean, as a Christian, I cannot not have an eye on here on the church and it's not because I'm the pastor of the church I'm serious guys I'm learning as you are David was concerned Israel was concerned let's have something nice for the Lord not you guys should do something nice not yeah you you know people have their opinions you know get those color drapes got it like you know this paint it's like help us I didn't know that the study was going this way, but I see David concerned about the tabernacle. Call me crazy. Amen? And then after, burnt offerings and peace offer, offerings were given. And again, burnt offerings, and there were many offerings with the Israelites, but the burnt offering was that of, of where the animal was fully burned on the altar, was fully immersed in flames, it was gone. It was burned up. It, it spoke of full con consecration, full like giving oneself fully to the Lord. That's what a, a burnt offering represents. There's nothing left of it. What, 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 what? It was an ox. It was a lamb. It was what? It was just fully engulfed. Nothing left. It spoke of one fully giving themselves to the Lord. When that was given, it was saying to God, God, I'm fully giving myself to you. And then the peace offering was the only offering in the Old Testament where the, part, the one offering would have a part of meat 
roasted meat to eat along with the priest as a peace offering with God. And you know how Jesus felt about eating. I can say with confidence that he felt really good about eating. <laughs> so, I mean, think about it. Burnt offering, peace offering. I give you everything. I'm fully dedicating myself to you, Lord. And what happens as a result? There's such peace. And God gives you of the good of the land. God gives you the good of the drink, of the good of the clothing, of the good of the house, of the good of the everything. You know, it's just, it all. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services. We now have two services on Sunday, one at 8.30 a.m. and again at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.